0: Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad Podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Verse eight: By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Uh, we're going to look at some points about the lives in the Abraham, uh, the life of Abraham that made it him distinct. Because we have Abraham as this like uh, this model of faith, this formula of faith. Like Abraham, it's we see it throughout in Galatians chapter three. We see Abraham being mentioned in in um, in Acts when Stephen is giving his his great message. Uh, But Abraham trusted God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And um, I learned to love the idea of Abrahamic righteousness what Abrahamic righteousness looked like. This uh, old, before Christ, pre-Christ version of what faith really looked like and how it was still looking to Christ, it would be the fulfillment of what Christ would do. But there were some very practical things in the life of Abraham that uh, we can look at and we can see uh, that God blesses these things and that these are also uh, signs of an active, healthy Life of a believer. And so the first thing we see is Abraham went. Where, what did he do? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place, which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Uh, Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldeans, he was, which is southern Iraq, and um, this is where he grew up. This is where he was from. It was an ancient city. Even at this point, it was uh, established His father had idols. There's no reason to believe that Abraham was like a guy that grew up and just knew God. Seemingly, God reached in and grabbed Abraham, and he he reached into his life and and uh, came and changed him. Uh, So, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to see here, we're going to read in a second, uh, is right off the heels of what? What's in Genesis chapter 11? Remember this. This is like the kind of like the first part of the history of man is is one through eleven, and then twelve starts a whole new thing, through Abraham. But it's the Tower of Babel, right? And so the Tower of Babel. What's going on in the tower with the Tower of Babel? They it's like a monument to humanism. It's a monument to uh, self and arrogance. They think they could reach the heavens on their own account. So they start building and building. They're like they were they were really smart. I think they're really intelligent. They had come up, and we, to this day, there are, are things that were built thousands of years ago that we go, how did they do that? I mean, there was a lot of uh, brilliant minds working, which I think speaks to how good God is and how much he's, he's created us to create. Even when we do it for evil, we have this innate ability to make some amazing things. To look at beautiful things. Yesterday, we went to the Dodger game. Um, I'm a Dodger fan, so it was my son. He was wearing his hat, you know. Um, and we got to go, and we were right behind home plate. It was so awesome. Not, I mean, like some rows behind, but you know. And we were driving home, and you know, maps takes you all these crazy ways to get out there. And we went across the LA River, and the bridge is so beautiful, like all the architecture. And this is actually was was no. If you ever go to like Europe, you can see this in Rome. You you see like the most insane beautiful buildings, and you're like what is that place? And they're like, oh, that's uh, the DMV. You know, I mean, not really, but you know, and you're like, wait, what? Or that's, uh, that's the post office. And you're like, this is like the most grand looking thing I've ever seen in my life. And this was actually used to be a really important thing in society was building beautiful things. And I think it's actually really important in the, with the image of God. Now we've gotten to the point where like bare bones, man, slap it up concrete. Here we go. On to the next one. But it speaks to value, it speaks to beauty. And uh, so there's this great ability in us to make these beautiful things, but there's also, with that creativity, we can come up with some really gnarly bad things. And the Tower of Babel was an attempt to go around God's way, to do it their own way. And it literally says, let us make a name for ourselves. So what does God do? He comes down, which they never got there, he comes down. (laughs) and he scatters them. So Abraham would be part of a scattered group from those people. And again, in an idolatrous culture, God calls him out of a lifestyle. So if you think that you are like, well, I wasn't really born into it, you you have really good company. Most of the people we see used by the Lord weren't necessarily born into it. You know? And so Abraham was called out of that place we see in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. The beginning of Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, God begins this covenant with Abraham. It's a multifaceted covenant. It's the Abrahamic covenant I'm calling you out. I'm letting you know I will be your God. What what is he going to do? I'll give you a land. You're going to leave where you were from, and I'm going to give you a land. I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. Remember what was going on in Babel? We'll make for ourselves a great name. This is the contrast. Right? When, when you are trying to make for ourselves a great name, what happens? Destruction. Chaos. When you allow the Lord to humble, our, when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, we allow him to lift us up into these places. So whose idea was this? Let's be really clear. Whose idea was this? God's. This was God's idea as he's speaking to Abraham. And he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will give you a great name. And you're going to be a blessing to all peoples. Eventually we know that from Abraham is going to come the Messiah. And so this is a, a long history of blessing. And if you look through, uh, this is the beginning of the people of Israel. And you can see they can be an absolute blessing and they can absolutely be not a blessing. They can be used by God and they can be not used by God. I, I, I love looking at the life of Joseph who's Abraham's great-grandson, wait, great-grandson, yes. Joseph, who was this uh, man full of integrity that was walking in the same kind of righteousness God had called Abraham to, which we'll talk about in a second, where he, he wasn't going to the ways of the world, even though he was sold into Egypt, even though he had been done dirty by Potiphar's wife, and, and even though he had been had all these horrible situations come up in his life, he chose not to let these things affect him and to continue to trust God. I mean, they affected him, but not, not to the point where he was going to walk away. He continues to honor and trust God, and through the life of Joseph... How many people were saved in the time of that famine when he was able to uh, interpret the king's dream for such a time as this? See that in the life of Esther. God uses his people, puts them in these places to be a blessing. So with the Mosaic covenant, which is Moses, we'll talk about him soon We've already talked to him about him a little bit, but the Mosaic covenant, which was the law, was like a spelled out version of what God wanted his people, how they were to look distinct. Abrahamic was a much more mellow version of that, like in in the sense of it was more organic. Like, I just want you guys to trust me. I I want to blow your mind with my faithfulness. And so what does he do? Abraham, you've heard me say this before. He is loyal to God, even in the midst of other gods, he leaves his old gods behind and separates himself. He makes an altar everywhere he goes. He sets up altars in Baal land, no matter where he is. He says, this right here, it now belongs to, the, to my God. Like all your other gods, and, and this was a big deal. Because as we have talked about, there are active spiritual things happening in the world. They're not just a name. They're not just a nothing. There's some serious, heavy spiritual things happening in the world. And Abraham made these posts saying, I'm loyal to God among all other. Even in the middle of the strongest God's land, I am loyal to him. What else? He trusted God, and we'll see this in a second, even when it made absolutely no sense. This is part of it. Hey, Abraham go leave the land abraham was probably rich seemed like he was he had he had ends okay <laughs> and so he was he was he was in a good spot but god says come with me i'm going to take you somewhere you you've never seen you know it's going to it's yeah, i'm going and i'm going to bless you but it's going to take a lot of faith and we're going to see does this play out how we would have thought it would play out no does it play out the way abraham thought it would pre- play out No, but he trusts God even when it makes no sense. Same thing with Isaac, the situation with Isaac. We'll get into that in a second here. He's obedient to the Lord, which is from Genesis 18. He does justice and he does mercy. He's a blessing to those around him by doing the right things, by being honorable, by trusting in God and valuing people like he values them, loving them like he would love them. And then he's always looking forward to the provision. How the God's going to do this eventually. And looking forward to what the Messiah would bring. So this is all in the life of Abraham. While the Mosaic Covenant, it's, it's done when Jesus rose from the grave. And I think at Pentecost, really, is where the Mosaic was 100% done. We're in a new era. you know. Actually, it would be at, the, at his crucifixion. The veil is torn in two. And now we have the new era at Pentecost. And so, but Abrahamic is a continuation. The things that we see in the life of Abraham are things that we should see in the life of a believer. Trusting God when it makes no sense. Being loyal to God, even when there's all these outside pressures. Obeying him and doing what he asks us to do uh, and loving and valuing people. Loving God, loving others. And always looking forward to what God is doing. Looking to him. What has Jesus done? What has he accomplished? What, and is he coming back? Yes, yes. So he trusts him. Remember uh, in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 1, beginning of this chapter, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we also know without faith it's impossible to please God. Abraham banked on the God that was speaking to him. He banked on the God that he knew. It's built-in relationship, as we've been talking about. Same with Moses, same with Enoch. They walked with God. They had relationship with God. So when God said things to them, he believed them. And so we go, well, it's the same thing. Yes, it's a recurring theme. So also it's not a dreary faith, but an expectant of blessing. Like if God promises something, we're expecting that. So we're not like, woe is us, poor us. We're like looking to see if God's gonna do something crazy. We're expecting him to do something, to work. That's part of what faith is. It's not like, well, I believe God's gonna come through, but probably not, you know? But he just doesn't, it's like Eeyore syndrome. But poor me, you know? I guess I'll always get the short end of the stick. You're like, cool, that's really cool. No, it's like if God promises something, then we're expecting those promises, that's the, what Abraham did. So it's not like a dreary, you know, labored faith. It's interesting, too. He didn't know where he was going. Here's, here's something I think we get stuck with when God calls us to do something is, is we try to like figure out the whole itinerary of the details, and that'll just drive you nuts. Have you been called to something before? I have, where God's like, I'm doing something, and you go, but what about all the stuff in between? And, and so you're like, all right, God's called me to this thing. I'm into it. Now let me figure all this out, you know. And he's like, I didn't ask you to do that. Matter of fact, you're not even good at that at all. And so if you try to do this, you're going to blow it. Or, and I'm just, you know, spitballing here, you could trust me. And I will be the one that will provide the way to the thing that I've actually told you to do. Like, there's a plan here. You don't have to worry about all the details. Like, I'm going to, if I promise to do it, I'm going to do it. So what does Abraham do? He doesn't get caught up in all the details. He's like, well, where am I going to go? I don't know how to pack. You know, what kind of a land are we looking at? I I, I, I don't understand. He just went. And I think we probably miss out a lot of times by not just going. Verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise. As in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we see Abraham went. He was quick to go. When God said it, he just went for it. We also see Abraham endured. He dwelt in the land. The calling to Abraham was when he was 75. Okay, started at 75, uh, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. 75 is pushing it to have a baby, right? And so he's got no kids, and he's probably like, All right, cool. All right, God, let's do this. And then he's like, How about uh, tomorrow, maybe we can have a baby, you know? And he's like, Well, let's go ahead and wait another 25 years or so. And so he goes out, trusting God. And he's living in tents, and he's seeing no fulfillment of the promise initially. This is where a lot of people give up. Isn't it? When God calls you into something, and you know, and this is the thing, you know he's called you into it. And then you decide to leave even though you know you've not been released from it. But why? Because I'm tired. I'm sick of it. Look at everyone else around me. I think if you want to, if you want to have language for that, or if we want to, like, if we want to, like, uh, process this, read the Psalms. God, why do these wicked people? Why are they doing so well? Like, where are you? Where's your promises? Why haven't you come through yet? And I love it. It's, it's a, a, many of the Psalms. By the time you get to the end, of it, like, "Yeah, but you're faithful." And I think these are the kind of conversations God's not scared to have with us. We can have these conversations. But if we just decide, eh, abandon ship, I'm out of here. We're going to miss out on the blessing. So what is happening? God calls Abraham. He takes the initial step of faith. This is a beautiful thing. Many people take a step like this of faith. The second step where Abraham endured is where a lot of people are gone. But what's being built in Abraham in this season is the character. And this is where the, the, the grind, this is where the character is built. You know, we've said before anyone can make a decision to try to do something, you know, dramatic and make it and do it for one day. But it takes a lot to make that part of your process every day, and you don't feel like anything's happening for a long time. So he dwelt in the land of promise in foreign, as in a foreign country. So he's like in the land, but it's, he doesn't get any of the land. We'll see at the end, he doesn't even get a foot of land before he, he dies. Well, they buy some so that they can bury his, his family. It's like, what a, it seems like a cruel joke. But no, because of Abraham's mentality of how he's looking at this. Did he slip up? Oh yeah, he did. I mean, Hagar, that was a, you know that was a major slip up or did he trust god all the time no i mean he tried to tell two different people that sarah was his sister so did was he a man of faith all the, no but what i think marks abraham is the endurance that he keeps on going that he keeps on trusting god even when he has momentary he just gets back up and keeps on going And because he really does believe him in the end. Sometimes we can get caught up. Sometimes we can try and make our own way. And sometimes we make up a big old mess in our life. You know what you do when you you have that? You go, forget it. It's over. I'm going to keep going. Now I got to get back on track with what I know I'm supposed to do. God, you have called me to this thing. I have no idea how it's going to play out. But I trust you, even when it makes zero sense because you're the God that can raise the dead. And we're gonna talk about this next week where we see he believed Isaac could be risen from the dead even though he'd never seen that before. He was willing to slay his own son. Finally, the son of promise. This is, this is the, the mentality of a man who believes that God could do whatever he wants because he's already seen him do it. But this is all built in this season of wilderness in our lives. And I think we, we, so often, we are so full of disdain for the years of, of wilderness. But those are the years that build us. Because maybe you remember when you first received the Lord. I remember when I got saved. And I was just like, you know, ready to go. Like, let's go! And reading every verse, and you're like... Five faith of the mustard seed. And I'm like trying to think of how much faith that would be. I'm ready to throw Big Bear into the desert, you know, because I was ready to move a mountain, you know. San Gregonio, San Andreas, let's do some reordering. Because it's just like, God, I just want to see you do some crazy stuff. And, and there was some real excitement, some real joy. God met me there in a really miraculous and clear way. But the years that followed weren't nearly as full of hype. But those were the years that built and built and built. And it's like, well, will you really walk with me even when, it's, when you're not like emotionally hyped about it? That's why it's got to be really careful. Uh, a lot of modern Christianity is like emotional. It's all emotional. And what, what do you do after an emotional, you're, you kind of, you know, deflate. We got to have something more than just emotions. Not that emotions are bad. They can be used by God, but uh, as the saying goes, they make a great servant and a terrible master. So we can we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think there's some, their passion is a big part of that. Being zealous is a big part of that. Caring, big deal. We need to care. We need to be like excited about this kind of stuff. But like, it's got to be more than that. And that's where it's built in the long term. Best way we can think about that is, is in a marriage situation. (laughs) You know, that's what they say, oh, here's the honeymoon phase. Oh, and here's the seven-year itch. Don't put that stuff in your head, right? But as you grow and you continue to grow, it gets better and better and better. But it's through some of like the most, you know, the the days of children and, you know, like work and, and exhaustion and when will the day end and, you know, all these different things. You're building and you're trusting and you're working together and, and you're and you're finding joy and you're finding all this, and it's it's no high, there's no hype. But you start really enjoying and 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 it, it's the character, it's the building, it's the it's the reality. This is the stuff that has roots. So Abraham is in, is living in this place, and so by faith, he was able to remain faithful and waiting. He's able to remain by faith in not seeing the fulfillment right away. So can I encourage you if you've been praying for something and you haven't gotten it, it answered in in this today or in the last hour or in the last month or in the last year, in the last 10 years? Don't give up hope if God's put it in your heart to do it. I think that's a really good word for those who are not you've kids, family friends friends, spouses that don't know the Lord. Do not give up praying for them. Don't give up. Don't give up. Trust. Keep trusting in the Lord. Keep on bringing it to the Lord. I think partially why that works really well is also because uh, a lot of times when we try and manufacture it or our hands are too much on it, like really bad things happen. (laughs) Because then you start taking control and controlling people um, I don't know, but you can smell it when they walk in the room. And, and especially if you have kids and they sense your control. They're like, you know. But there's something about surrendering that to the Lord where you're active, but you're surrendering it. Lord, this is yours. So keep trusting in you. Because what is Abraham looking for? He's, he calls him something bigger than ourselves. This is the idea. God is calling him to something bigger than, than he could come up with on his own because it's going to require faith. There's faith needed. God is sanctifying now Abraham in this process, and it may take longer than expected. But what's Abraham's goal? What's he looking for? What's he waiting for? It says, for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Direct contrast to Babel, right? This is ours. This is man's. We're going to make a way. He's like, I don't want that. I want the one God's building. You know, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. Like we think about Christ as the cornerstone. When you're building, that's the most important block. It's what everything is built upon. I want God to be the builder of this. And so he's like, I'm willing to wait because I don't want to manufacture this on my own. And I think part of that is failing and realizing whenever I try to do it, something bad happens. Like, even though it sounded good at the time, and it's so funny, we can mock Abraham and Sarah in the Hagar situation, but like, when you're in that spot, maybe, maybe God helps those who help themselves. Right? Isn't that that great theological point? In the, the, that's in the good book, that's not in the Bible. Well, it's from the good book, you know? God helps those who who help themselves. Well, you know what, Abraham? I told you I'd give you a wife, a son, a child, and all this, you know, a lineage of people, you know, a whole nation of people. But you know what? You're going to have to impregnate another woman to do it, you know, but I'm not going to tell you to do that. You're just going to have to kind of figure that one out on your own. Actually, your wife will bring it up. And don't worry, that won't backfire. Like, what in the world? I mean, and, and the effects are, we still feel the effects. So I think Abraham's like, you know, I'm done building on my own. I need a foundation. It's the Lord. What, what, how wise and how happy is the man that gets to that place? I'm done building on my own foundation. I will wait as long as it takes for God to build it. Like, it's a good thing. Uh, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. This is both of them together trusting God, believing God still, even though she laughed. It's like a funny scene. It's like, you're going to have a baby and she's like laughed and and God's like, you laughed. And she's like, no, I didn't. And she's like, yeah. and God's like yes, you did. uh uh You know. But, eventually got to the place where all right lord you are gonna do it but here's the here's the key here judged him faithful who had promised and and we have to this is what we have to really think about whenever we're thinking about circumventing god's promises and his word and and the things he's laid out for us what is our mentality do we not and ultimately it has to come down to the fact that we don't judge him faithful enough to come through with what he says he'll come through with that's the harsh reality but it's a, it's the truth and we sugarcoat we're so good at sugarcoating things and we're all like all become defense attorneys well let me state my case it's like no 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 th- it's really simple you just don't think he's good for it you don't think he's going to come through you don't think he's benevolent you don't think he's faithful Therefore, verse 12, therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. God's answer, he is, God answers. That's what happens. He answers. And he's looking to blow the mind of those who judge him faithful. Will it look different than you expect it to? Every time. I mean, honestly, has there ever been a time in your life when God did something, like, like, like legit did something, where you saw him show up that you were like, that's exactly how I planned it out. That's exactly how I thought he would do it. No, there's always some weird twist. And it's usually like the thing that you were really hoping for that would happen, that you, you kind of like helped me. It's like all of a sudden, that thing falls apart. You go into desperation. Oh, and then all of a sudden he's like, you hear a knock on the door and you're like, that's what I was looking for. (laughs) Where did you come from? And God's like, thank you. You moved out of the way. Now I got you. So what's, what's the result with Abraham? By the way, he didn't see a lot of this, but the lasting fruit, and this is, we're gonna see in a second here. This is all about having a mentality that's not a worldly mentality, that everything that happens here on earth is all that matters. This is looking beyond. It's having vision for beyond the circumstances in front of us. This is where we're looking to eternity for, for lasting fruit. Because God absolutely fulfilled the promise. Abraham got a glimpse of it. He didn't really get the land. He had Isaac. He ended up having, he had Ishmael, he had Isaac. He ended up having more kids later, which is wild. I don't think that gets enough press. But through Isaac, that through the children of Israel, this would be a people and it would be, Millions and millions and millions of people who would come through this. So God is looking to blow the mind of those who judge him faithful. It's not in our timing, but it's, it's always a more powerful end than you could ever imagine. And when God does it, I, I'm, I, every single time God has done it, I, I just remember just say I sit back and I go, wow. God, you are unbelievably huge. You are so amazing. You are so faithful. You are so big. You're so, oh. It's like, and and then you get the glimpse of like what you see throughout the gospels, astonished in awe when they talk to Jesus. You're like, I just had the moment. And, And he's like, you can have a lot of those if you live by faith. And it it, doesn't mean everything's always going to be, you know, super affluent. You're going to, you know, be loaded and everything, whatever. No, but you will see God answer prayers. You will see God use your life because that's what he's designed you to be in relationship. As you're in relationship, there is an understanding and there's an abiding. And we know as we abide in Christ, we are producing fruit or he's producing fruit in our lives because we're nourished and we're built up and we're strengthened God fulfills his promise. This is a recurring theme. So when you're thinking about doubting it, this is why it's so important to read the word. and It's also really important to read the Old Testament. Because just look at what it looks like to trust God and how he takes care of everything he said he would do. Because you hear those big promises to Abraham? You're going to have a land. Right? Did he get, end up with a land? Did his people have a land? Yes. Did it? Was there nations upon nations upon nations that were built off of him? Was his name made great? Is there a greater name in the Old Testament than Abraham? We're still talking about him. And what did he do? He just trusted God. Was he a blessing to all nations? Through him would come the greatest blessing of the Messiah, through his line. What did God do? fulfilled some very grandiose promises (laughs) like great massive promises he he fulfills them that's so cool so it's a recurring theme of God fulfilling his promises when he says it he does it verse 13 these all died in faith not having received the promises he didn't fully receive them but having seen them afar off were assured of them embracing them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Abraham had vision. He was able to see what was not seen. He was able to look beyond the circumstances, able to look beyond what was happening right in front of him. They never got to experience the fullness of the provision, but they saw it coming. They got to be a part of watching it lay out, and indeed through the seed, we see everything. It all happened through the seed of Abraham. And also it's important, this is part of faith. We trust that God holds the future and that our part, our obedience would lead to more fruit than we could imagine if we just trust him. And there might be fruit we never get to see on this side of eternity, but rest assured that obedience will pay off in the long run. He was able to have heaven in mind so they were able to live on earth the right way which, as we see, is intense. Verse 14, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There's no turning back. Remember now, this is written to the Hebrews. Hebrews. Who are considering going backwards, and the old covenant no longer exists? So Abraham, you're, if you go backwards, you get nothing. You know, it's like uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka. You get nothing. You know where the, Grandpa Joe screwed that up so bad? It was sel- a selfish man. I mean, remember, just if you're ever feeling like what kind of a man do I want to be? Watch that and think not Grandpa Joe. He's got his grandson working, and you know he's just chilling in bed until it's time to go to a cho- chocolate factory, and now he's dancing. He's dancing, gets up, he's dancing, throws away his cane. You're like, bro, how long have you been making your daughter and grandson live this peasant life, and you could have You could have been dancing, bro. You could have, I mean, like dancing. You could have, this could have been a thing. Anyway, so that's a side note. But that is all you'll remember probably from, anyway. But you get nothing. You go back, you get nothing. And this is the warning. The author is trying to remind the Hebrews. You can't go back. Like Abraham wasn't looking, he was looking forward to the provision of the Messiah. You got it. You've got it. He was looking forward. He didn't even get to see it all. He was looking forward for what would come. He was looking forward to the day. He didn't. He got glimpses of it. He get, didn't get the whole thing. You've been given the whole thing. You can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. So imagine God starts blessing Abraham. He starts seeing these things happen. And he's, he's, he's like, whoa, this is wild. And he has Isaac. And he's like, I had my kid. And and he's like, but I haven't gotten the land yet. Uh, you know what? got my son, I'm going home. We are not talking about Abraham today. We're not. Because he backed out, missed out on what God was doing. He decided, man, I'm done. Instead, instead, what does he do? They have a better desire, that is, for a heavenly country. They they weren't just looking for what is here, they're looking for what is to come. And and again, the most important thing is God does it. Remember uh, Moses, after he brings the children of Israel through and then they're um, Sinai and then there's the gold calf and then there's all these issues and um, God's like, I'm so done with your people. I'm starting over with you, Moses. Let's go. I'm just going to do it with you. I'm done with all of them. And he's like, no, no, please don't be done with them. And Moses is mad, right? He, makes, he grinds up the calf and makes him drink it. Um, and he says, so, so God says, all right, fine. You guys can go into the land, but I'm not going with you. And Moses says, we're not going if you don't go with us. That land is nothing but land without you. You've got to be the one that builds it. And and we're so, so often, I think we are quick to see the blessing of the land and go, oh, well then that will be the fulfillment. But Moses knew God and he talked with God and he's like, if you're not with us, and he also had seen when God fights for the children of Israel, things happen. Like the sea parts. Like, Like God sends all these plagues that are mocking the Egyptian gods. It's like when you start seeing God moving in your life, you're like, oh, oh. He's big, and then you're you're through it. and not, not not to mention there's fire and there's a cloud, and like come on, so he's like, if you don't go with us I do, we're not going to go, and so then what that's where the Moses and God have this moment, but the idea is relationship this is, this is Abraham too could he had gathered a, together a, a big crew he, could he have gone and fought for? The land himself and just be like, let's just make it happen. You know what? God gave it to us. We're taking it. No, he wanted God to be the one that built it. He wants that to be the key. So it meant that he never even got to see it on this side of eternity, completely fulfilled. But because he had this mindset and this vision of God doing it, he was still useful in the process. They were living for more than their earthly eyes could see. And we have to ask ourselves, what do we live for? Heaven now or heavenly crowns to be enjoyed forever? Are we looking for heaven to come now? My perfect little life now? Spoiler alert, it's not here. It only gets worse. The The more you get, it seems like it gets worse because it's a false God. But if we're still of this worldly, if we're still thinking worldly, our desires will be worldly. If that's where we're looking for the fulfillment to be, if that's where our treasure lies, if that's where our heart lies, that's where our treasure will lie. So our desires will be worldly. The blessing will be only seen through a worldly lens. But that doesn't get us to where we see Abraham at. Those who've been born again or transformed by the goodness of God, we're able to see there's more going on and we're part of a bigger story than we can see. God is working something out through us all. And sometimes gnarly ends. Abraham's name was made great because he was loyal to God and his calling. That's why his name is great. He didn't build up from... You know what's the Tower of Babel? It's like, who are those people? They're just like a clumped up group, you know? Then we have Abraham. And we've mentioned the life of Moses when he was born, right? Who's named? Pharaoh, generic name. What were the names? The two midwives who saved saved him. Those are the ones that are named. Those are the ones that God's going to give honor to. So, you know, Abraham's name was great because he was loyal to God and his calling. He trusted even when it made no sense. He was obedient to the Lord, to to be just, to do mercy. And, And he was a blessing to those around him. He trusted in the finished work even though he couldn't see it. And Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the finished work. He's the culmination. And he's the one that builds, that we can really build our lives on, on the cornerstone. So we live with expectation he's not done with us. So we're looking to seek, and we're seeking for a better foundation, because we know who the best builder is. You're not, you know, in Lego, Legoland, they have, like, master builders, you know, like, the, they were, like, the people who build them. And they're like, if you do the little cruise, they're like, this one's made out of 700,000 Legos. And you're like, wow, that's a lot. And you're just thinking about someone sitting there and just building. These are master builders. I mean, I can build a rectangle house. I could put some windows in it even, you know. I mean, these people are building like yaks and stuff that are <laughs> standing up and the Eiffel Tower and who knows what else, right? All kinds of stuff. So we trust the master builder, just like Abraham did. He's like, man, this ain't going the way I thought it would go, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to, even though I slip up, and by the way, if you sl- we're slipping up, we're going to have a communion here. There's a good place to come back to the cross. And, and why, do we, why are we supposed to do this often? Because we slip up often. We forget that we're not it. We forget that we're not in charge. We forget that God is doing it in us and we start building our own foundations. We start building on the sand and he's like, please don't build on the sand. Please don't build on the sand. And you're like, yeah, but this is gonna be awesome. And then a storm comes. and It's like, oh man. He's like, all right, let's start over. (laughs) So Abraham's life is an example. It's an example of a life of trust, a life of faith. Abraham trusted God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham, remember, Abraham went when and where God told him to. Without, I mean, he just did it because he trusted him. Abraham endured even when it took longer than expected because he trusted him. Abraham had vision even when the details weren't worked out, even when it seemed like things were going a different direction, even when it felt like, I, I, I don't know what's happening. He was able to see beyond what's going on surface level. He was able to see with a heavenly vision. And Abraham received blessings, a lineage, a reputation, a legacy. This is all done because of the work of what Jesus did on the cross. We now can be part of that too, where we find ourselves fully trusting in. First of all, the first thing is trusting in And surrendering to the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. Trusting that we needed a savior and trusting that he is that savior. That we're now cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And that there's no better foundation we can build with our own intellect, with our own anything, but to fully surrender to him. And to trust him and the, what he's done, and then to surrender our lives to him. To say, Lord, you, you've saved me, you've renewed me, you've put your spirit within me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Now, use this body, use this mind, use this heart, use my resources, my creative ability, my 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 influence, for your glory, and then allow God. We allow God to to be the foundation that we build everything upon. Everything is underneath that foundation and everything is worked into that. And so we're reminded again this morning, all of this was done and accomplished by God sending his son, Jesus, to come and to die on the cross for our sins. Why? Because we're sinners. We know this and we know how easily it is to turn inward on ourselves and to think about only ourselves and to try and scrape together some sort of heaven on earth here and now. God saved us from all of that. The mentality, the thinking, the sin, the pain, the shame, the struggles, all of it. And he says no matter where you've come from, no matter what sins you've done, pre-Christ, post-Christ, there's still forgiveness at the cross. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.